0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish and today we are going to talk about a surprise, surprise, surprise upset in the second round of the NHL playoffs. We're also going to talk about the Bottlegate controversy. Don't blame me. I didn't give it that name. That's what everyone else is calling it. We're also going to talk about a couple of other things, including some card-related topics, including the great one, Wayne Gretzky, partnering with eBay to make NFTs. That is not an April Fool's Day joke. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, is partnering with eBay to make non-fungible token trading cards. Yeah, nuts. I know. Tim, it's a mad, mad world that we all live in. How you been?
0: I'll let you know when I figure that out.
1: Can you give a longer answer so I can have a sip of my beverage?
0: Um, yes. Uh, do you want an honest response to that? Or do you want the answer that you actually expected?
1: Oh, I always want an honest answer. It's like when people say, how you doing? And you go, ah, you know, my back hurts a little and I'm tired and I ain't getting enough sleep. I don't really care about that.
0: I'll go with this. I'm just trying to get on with life. How are you?
1: I'm burnt out from teaching. This yeah. is the first time I've been back on campus four days a week. And the difference between now and, oh, I don't know, two and a half years ago is now I live cross town. So like, I know, boo-hoo, because there are people who work 40, 50 hours a week, and here's this teacher complaining about going to his classes. But you know what? Everything is relative. I went from a 15-minute commute to doing all my teaching at home to like an hour to hour and a half commute. So eh, I'm, a little, I'm a little burnt out.
0: The commute is killer. Commute is always killer for most people. It's usually yeah. not the job. It's getting there and getting home. Yeah. Fortunately, I've worked at the same place for, yikes, I don't even know how long, but and we've moved offices like four times, but it's all been within the same kind of town area. So mm-hmm. yeah, it takes me about 30, 40 minutes to get to work and about 45 to get home.
1: Getting home always takes longer.
0: That's um, yeah, because everybody's trying to get home.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So the cat's out of the bag. Or shall I say the Cats are out of the playoffs? Florida Panthers, wow. Okay, so first of all, I said that they were going to win in seven. You said the Lightning were going to win in seven. Well, you were closer because the Lightning only needed four games. I am surprised. But then again, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. But I am surprised that the uh, Panthers did really bad against the Lightning. I'm not surprised about how well the Lightning did, because we know, you know what, being the best team in the NHL during the regular season clearly does not guarantee success in the postseason, whether you want to call it the President's Trophy curse or not. I think it's that the teams put all their time and energy and effort into trying to win the President's Trophy, and then they got nothing left in the tank for the playoffs. It just seemed like not only did they have nothing left in the tank, they just couldn't Solve Lightning goaltender Andrei Vasilevsky. I mean, we talked about this before. It's go full war
0: during the season and win as much as you can and be the best team in the world or get to where you need to be and then coast to the end and get everybody the rest they need to go into the playoffs because everybody knows it's a grind. And any team that's been there and has experienced it, they know it's a grind. And so you have, you know, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions coming in there. And that's exactly what they did. They could have barnstormed through the league. But they had some guys get some some injuries. And I felt like towards the end of the season, they just kind of drifted, you know. And as long as they were in the playoffs, they were fine. They didn't care what seed they were. They would play anybody because they knew they could match up well. But, you know, you got the president's trophy and, yeah. I do call it a curse because how many presidents trophy winners do we have that have cups? 8 well, total ever.
1: Now, I don't know if I would count the Blackhawks from 2013 and I'm going to tell you why. That was a shortened season. It was only 48 games if I remember correctly in the regular season. So I Always mean, by the, the time they got the to trophy. the playoffs, they were just warming up. You know yeah. what I mean? They weren't burnt out. They were the, the, they were just getting they were just really hitting their stride by then
0: still awarded the trophy though so
1: that's true i mean it it counts
0: from a statistic standpoint it counts you know what i'm saying this is i'm not calling this a full-out madden curse or anything but regular season champion means nothing in the playoffs because the playoffs are a whole new season and here you have this high scoring offense that florida was you know they averaged what did i what was i reading like four point 4.1 4.1 goals a game or something like that during the mm-hmm. regular season, mm-hmm. and the Lightning just shut them down. I mean, completely shut them down. You know, and the turnovers. Good lord, the turnovers! I thought the Penguins turned the
1: puck over in the neutral zone a lot. Florida was brutal. It was hard to watch. So, just to recap the scores here: Game one, the Lightning won, four to one. Game two, the Lightning won. 2 to 1, game 3, the lightning won 5 to 1, game 4, the lightning won 2 to 0. Just a couple of notes I want to point out here. Obviously game 1 was like everybody was surprised. Like not only did the lightning win, but they won 4 to 1. I mean that that's pretty lopsided considering these two teams. The second game was 1 to 1 and with like a few seconds left the Lightning scored the go-ahead goal. I mean, it looked like it was going to go to overtime. Everybody thought it was going to go to overtime. Nope. Lightning score it was a bad turnover, bad play behind the net by the Panthers defenseman, and, you know, Lightning player got the puck, knocked it in. Third game, now there were two empty net goals, so, I mean, technically it was like a three-to-one win, and then they got two empty net goals that the, the Lightning did. And then in the fourth game, the Lightning got an empty net goal. So the Lightning outscored the Panthers 13-to-3. Don't count those empty netters, they still outscored them 10 to 3. Now, I was playfully 10 to three, arguing 13
0: to 3, 1 to nothing. It doesn't matter. They beat them. That's it. Right.
1: Now, I was friendly debating with somebody on Twitter about Bobrovsky, and he's talking about the Bobrovsky playoff, not curse, but he talked about playoff Bob versus regular season Bob. And I said, look, okay, three goals or four goals in the first game is not great. But then allowing two goals, three goals, and one goal, that's not bad. That's not bad. Listen, you got to score goals to win a game. If both goalies don't allow goals and nobody scores, nobody wins the game. Somebody's got to score a damn goal, okay? So my goalie can get a shutout, but guess what? Someone on my team has to score a goal, and it's highly unlikely that you're going to get a shutout. Oh, yeah, shutouts happen. I mean, they're not... Impossible. We see a lot of shutouts this year. I've had two goalies on my fantasy uh, hockey team. Coincidentally, Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky get shutouts in the same week. But what I'm saying is that if your goalie allows two goals and your team scores three goals, you win. But the Panthers couldn't even score more than one goal a game. So it doesn't matter that Bobrovsky's save percentage wasn't great or his GAA wasn't great. It doesn't matter. You know what? Look at Grant Fear. Grant Fear talks about, I'm going to, I'm going to mangle that quote that he said that, you know, he'd allowed something like six goals in like the first period or whatever. And he just said, all right, well, I just can't allow another six goals or something. He had the Oilers in front of him. So, I mean, yeah, you could allow six or seven goals, but you had guys in front of you who were going to score nine or 10 goals here. They didn't even have guys who could score two goals in a game. That's sad.
0: What's the old baseball analogy? You can be the best pitcher in the world, but if you don't get any run support, you're never going to win. I mean, who's? I think uh, Jacob Degrom gets labeled like that now, but you know that's kind of what we're talking about here. Doesn't matter how good you are at goal, if the guys in front of you aren't scoring, you know you're bound to give up one. Right. And if you can't score, that's going to win the game for the other team. One nothing. You know, the Panthers were always playing from behind. They were playing from a deficit. Like, except for, I think, was it game one? They had like a one nothing lead at one point, and that was about it. And they could not score on the power play. They had one goal. But that yeah. wasn't just this series. That was the first series, too.
1: Yeah, their their power play was obviously Garbage. lacking. It was something like, wasn't it something like 3-for-31 over the first two rounds of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think it was like 0 for 25 in the first eight games. So, and then they finally did score, got a couple, but yeah, it was it was horrible. It's horrible. I don't think it was three. I think it was one, one for 31.
1: Okay, well, that's even it, it was worse. Bad.
0: Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, absolutely bad. And what's the deal? Like, we didn't see Joe Thornton until the last game, like at all.
1: That was that mix it up a little and and, and put him out there because he has the experience and whatnot.
0: <laughs> he has the experience with winning what? That's my question. What did he win? A what, Art was, Trophy. Okay.
1: And An Art Ross Trophy.
0: I don't recall ever seeing him lift uh, Lord Stanley's chalice. Not to take anything away from him, but let's be honest. You want leadership? You want guys that are that are gonna win, you got to get those guys to do something for you and do something in front of you. I mean, Vasilevsky was standing on his head and playing out of his mind. And everybody in front of him was playing that way too. Look at how many block shots that Tampa Bay had throughout that series. I mean, guys were throwing themselves to stop those pucks. So, you know, Florida was not only weren't they not getting shots on goal because their shots weren't getting through, the ones that they were taking. So, Florida just didn't have. Know, they just didn't have it. It was. It's just. It was so weird because I don't think anybody thought that there was. This was going to be a four-game sweep.
1: And, and if you did,
0: I would think you were lying. But
1: look at the players that the Panthers added to bolster their chances. Uh, defenseman. I'm going to mangle his let. Is it Chariot? Ben Chirac. Ben Chirac. Ben yeah. Chirac. Okay. Hate those ambiguous names, Chariot. We, 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 we can just call him
0: Ben Chariot from now on. Which is would also be Ben Her. That would also be Ben Chariot, since that was his mode of transportation.
1: Cute chariots of the gods. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, Ben Sherat and Claude Drew. You look at that and you go, "Wow, those are two damn good pickoffs, uh, pickoffs, pickups near the playoffs. Pickups for the playoffs." So you said baseball, and now I said pickoffs, and now damn it, I'm going to be thinking, I'm going to be mixing my my sports terminology all night.
0: That's how my kids' uh, team won their game last night, actually. Really? Was on a failed pickoff by the other team, and it scored the winning run. Game over. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty nutso, But anyway,
1: that's always fun, kind of, you know, when crazy things like that happen. They really
0: played for be. They played from behind like the whole time. It was horrible going into the game. They were like. Five and oh, i think on the season and the league was bolstering about how they 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 won their 30th game over the last three seasons um and like all this kind of stuff and they were posting stats and my son is a pitcher and through five I think he pitched he's pitched seven innings so far this year and he has a zero era so they were bragging about it i'm like well just like when they put stats on TV, it's bound to be broken now. And sure enough, he got lit up first first inning in this game. Aww. But they were playing from behind, and somehow, someway, last two innings, they just came back to life and hung around and won. But anyway, this isn't a baseball show. So,
1: so those players that they got during the trade deadline or close to it, You look at how impressive the Panthers were, and then you look at, like, players who were available at the trade deadline. I honestly didn't know that the Blackhawks—I mean, I kind of had a a feeling that they were shopping around Brandon Hagel. I didn't think it was going to actually happen. But if you think of, like, the guys okay, Patrice Bergeron, he didn't want to leave the Bruins, so that was off the table. Then you go, okay, Mark Giordano, he would help whatever team— He goes to, and then you go, oh, Claude Giroux, wow. I mean, that's almost like the sweepstakes, you know what I mean? Like, what team is going to land Claude Giroux to help their playoff chances? Because, I mean, he's a great player. And so I just thought, wow, this is really throwing gasoline on a fire that's already at, like, full tilt. But apparently not. Hmm. I
0: just, again, go back to the lack of guys winning in the end i mean yeah they have hornquist who you know won as a penguin multiple cups but what else you got you know yeah you can bring on guys that were great players or star players or even superstar players captains of their former teams Mm -hmm. that kind of thing but like i said yeah joe thornton's got leadership you know veteran leadership He's been to a final. He hasn't captained a team to the final. Claude Giroux, been to a final. Never raised the cup. I think that goes a long way. And, you know, you can discount that. People discount it all the time saying that, you know, that's not that important. I think it's very important. Because I think that veteran leadership and that experience and playoff experience and all of that kind of stuff plays a big role and I think the Lightning have built a team around that type of thing for the last few seasons, and that's why it shows. These guys know what it takes. They know what it takes to win. They know how to win, and they know how to lead their guys. And they play like that. I don't know that Florida has that kind of setup. Yeah, in the regular season, were they good? They were outstanding. Tons of firepower. Guys were scoring all over the place. They were suspect, obviously.
1: Well, and and now they're thing- golfing. One thing that I think it was Anson Carter said this during a TNT broadcast, and if it wasn't uh, Anson Carter, it was somebody maybe it was talking, I don't remember. But the thing is, is that, yes, the Panthers had 29 come from behind wins. But when you play a lot of your games against teams like Nashville and the Coyotes and the Kraken, I mean, I, I know they're in different conferences, but still, when you got weaker teams to beat up on, you have more impressive stats. And then when you... Sp- you're in the playoffs every team is you know technically i mean it's the upper half of the league and then when you get to that second round it's going to get that much harder i mean it was the same thing like i think back to 2016 when us in chicago we were expecting that the blackhawks were gonna repeat as stanley cup champions they had artemi panarin who ended up winning rookie of the year that year patrick kane won the scoring title And the Blackhawks lost in round one against the Predators. And in one of the post-game interviews after they they got beat, Patrick Kane said, I mean, he just kind of -of matter-of-factly said, well, you know, we did have a lot of overtime wins. We did have a lot of shootout wins. And you don't have those sorts of things in the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, you can say, oh, we had 40 wins in the regular season or whatever, or 50 or whatever. But when 10 of them or 12 of them are shootout wins, eh, those can kind of go either way sometimes, as we all know. And what year was that? 2016. Who ended up winning the Cup that year? Uh, Was it the Sharks? Sharks eat Penguins?
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe in your NHL 94 game.
1: No, NHL 94, the Penguins are one of the best teams. The Sharks are pretty bad. I would imagine. There's only so many
0: goals Neil Wilkinson can score. (laughs)
1: you know that's a bummer because I've always wanted to see the Blackhawks and the Penguins play in the modern era like modern not 1992 but 2012 or 2018 or you know with Kane and Taves and Malkin and Crosby you know what I mean and that just never got to happen I mean it should have happened in 2010 but we got the Flyers yay 2015, we got the Lightning, who are not the Lightning of today. I mean, this is 2015 when they still weren't ready for prime time. And you see that a lot, teams that have all the right parts, but those parts aren't quite where they need to be. And, uh, you know, a couple years later, the players mature, and then then they become an unstoppable force. And, yeah, I've kind of changed subjects three times in that last thought. But you get my idea.
0: That's fine. You're talking about Vasilevsky. And he was he was lights out in this series. 151 out of 154 wow. on shots. Wow. I mean again, I I've already brought up the fact that the lightning were throwing bodies in front of Pucks. So there's that too, but still, he made timely saves when he needed to make them. And you know, that gives your team all the, you know, all the momentum and all the boosted will to win you know when your goaltender is doing that kind of stuff i mean we see it all the time if one guy is willing to go out there and and just take over a game like that people play in front of them and it'll be interesting to see who they're going to face next and how that matchup's going to go because if i'll be honest the, the two teams left in the east I don't see beating the Lightning, especially with how the series is going. These two are beating the crap out of each other, both of them, the Rangers and the Hurricanes. They're killing each other. So whoever comes out of this is going to be half dead by the time they have to face the Lightning.
1: Last week I said whoever wins between the Lightning and the Panthers is going to win the Cup. Like if it was the Panthers, because they scored a hell of a lot of goals... They're just going to trounce who's ever comes after them. Obviously, they didn't score many goals in this. It's going to be the Lightning. Now I want to see them three-peat. You know what I mean? I I want to see them three-peat. Would I like to see the Hurricanes win? Sure, I like the Hurricanes. I like a lot of the players on the Hurricanes. But I think it would be more exciting to see the Lightning three-peat. That's a more interesting story. Well, it's um, definitely
0: a more interesting story. But what I... And this is my own selfish need is to not have them win because I really don't want to start hearing all the dynasty talk. I mean, we heard the dynasty talk with the Blackhawks. We heard the dynasty talk with the Penguins. We heard, no, I don't think there's any dynasties anymore. And yeah, you can win back-to-back or maybe you can win three in a row. Fine. I don't call these dynasties. There isn't that kind of thing anymore. Five cups in seven years, like the Oilers, that's a dynasty, you know four cups in a row like the islanders had that's a dynasty i don't necessarily want to tag them as that kind of thing and i don't want to have the hear just people talk about it for the rest of the year until next year and then talk about it some more that just bothers me well wait a minute that's my own selfish thing about because i don't want to hear that word
1: you think the Lightning fan talking about being a dynasty would be worse than Rangers fans if they won the cup.
0: Boy, well, I mean, they they could have a good regular season, and to them, it's a dynasty. So, I mean, that's just how they are. But it doesn't matter whether they win or lose; it's the refs' faults because that's all I hear.
1: So, before we move on, do you think Joe Thornton's going to retire at the end of the season? I,
0: I honestly, I thought he'd already retired at this point i mean he's been nowhere to be found right
2: yeah he didn't play much
0: oh so it's like i get it you know old legs you know this is this is a, a young horse's race and he's not a young horse right um so i don't know if he does hang him up what were you saying earlier that's the he's the last of the uh rookies from the 1990s that's left in the league or yeah
1: he and uh, I said it would close out the 90s if he and Chara retire I remember like this would have been probably about 10 years no let's see Chelios retired in 2010 same year as Blackhawks one. and I remember somebody saying to me Sal when are you going to grow up and I said when my hero retires my childhood hero Chris Chelios and you know what he's still playing right and he was 46 at the time and I'm just like You know, so, you know, it's just kind of funny that, like, he played for so long, and then it's like, then your favorite players start retiring, and then you're like, oh, man, I'm getting old, right? But you look, and then you go, well, there's still some guys I remember who were in the NHL when I was in college, and, you know, and now I look and go, okay, Joe Thornton's probably going to retire, Chara's probably going to retire, though I don't really remember Chara so much until a little later in his career, Because Thornton was a big deal. He was was the first overall pick. And he actually didn't win rookie of the year. He had a very slow start to his career. But obviously he became a better player later. We were talking about this with uh, Alexei Lafreniere. Like how everybody clutching his young guns rookie card was waiting for him to go out there and have a four goal first night like Austin Matthews did. right? And instead... He's just kind of having a very slow, he's gradually getting better. But, you know, that's how it is sometimes with these 18-year-olds when they they break into the league. So, I do remember him breaking into the league, and it'll be sad to see him retire. But, you know, it happens. But I'm sad that he didn't get to retire with the cup.
0: Yeah, I was just looking. So, you still have Craig Anderson left, and you have Mike Smith, although they're both goalies. When
1: was uh, Anderson drafted? I
0: mean, Anderson's 40. Yeah,
1: but he was was he drafted? I mean, he didn't he didn't play until I think two thousand three was his first season, I believe. Like I have an o three o four tops trade. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when his rookie card card
0: actually fell because he's in his nineteenth season in the league. This year was his nineteenth year, and like Mike Smith, kind of the same thing, but he hasn't been in as long. So I think his his cards might have came way later. He's only been in the league 16 years. So, yeah, Thornton, Chara, that's it, really.
1: Yeah, because Marlowe already retired. Marlowe's so. already
0: gone, yeah. I think Andy Green would be the next one, but he's 38. He's a young guy compared to that.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about what happened in the uh, St. Louis Blues-Colorado Avalanche series. So I know you haven't been as looped in on the uh, playoffs. I've been trying to watch as many games as I can Sometimes they had other responsibilities like you, different responsibilities, not like you, you have kids. That's a responsibility I don't have, but-
0: if You want one? I can sell you one.
1: Uh, just borrow them for like a day, go to the but, mall, go to the movies, and then, you know, and then I'll bring them back at seven.
0: I'll sell you the blockchain if
1: you want. The, the blockchain. So Nazem Kadri, who is not popular in St. Louis, because last year during the playoffs, he hit Justin Falk in the head. Kadri got an eight game I remember suspension. That one. Hey, I remember real quick, before we get into what's going on now, do you think eight games was excessive? Eight games is like 16 regular season games. Do you think that was worth 16 regular season games? I mean, that's getting into some Rafi Torres level suspensions here that, you know,
0: you're not talking about a, a guy that's nose is clean and is innocent, though. This is a guy who is a repeat offender. Yes, he is. Comes, when it comes to stuff like that. So, yes, he is. You know, at what point do you draw the line and the one game becomes two games and the two games becomes four and the four becomes eight?
1: But eight playoff games.
0: Yeah, well, definitely sends a message. I mean, I don't know what to say other than that. It's definitely a message sending thing. It's like, look, we've had enough. Here, go sit. Right. You know, yeah, you're sitting. It sucks, but guess what? You're hurting your team. Okay, but yeah, I mean that has nothing to do with what recently happened. But it's just background.
1: So let's talk about that. So Nazem Kadri is battling for the puck with Blues defenseman Cal Rosen, and they're both going full speed. Kadri's trying to gain control of the puck, and uh, you know he's he's battling with uh, Cal Rosen. And they collide with Jordan Binnington, the Blues goaltender Jordan Binnington. Now, Ville Huso, he was the starter, then he kind of faltered, then it became Bennington took over as starter. And now, Binnington was hurt, had to leave the game. Turns out that he's out for the rest of the playoffs, or at the very least, the, the rest of this round. I'm hearing two different things. It might be the rest of the playoffs. It's definitely the rest of this round. So, during the post-game interview with TNT, Kadri's talking with Bissonette and Liam and Tocket and Carter, you know, post-game interview, and Kadri looks off-camera. It's funny because they're like, you know, talk to us about that play, and they're showing Kadri, and then, like, split-screen, they're showing the play, and he looks off to the side, and so I thought he was looking at a monitor – to like describe the play where he collided with Bennington. You know, so I'm thinking, okay, so he's looking over at a TV screen to recount what happens. Cause sometimes they'll do that. They'll show a player a clip and look can go, Oh, yeah, right here, this is where this happened. You know,
0: yeah. illustrate well,
1: it. Right. Well, without the telestrator, but you know, they show him it and it kind of jogs their memory a bit. But then he says something like, Yeah, I got tangled up with, with the defenseman, and you know, we collided with Bennington. And then, you know, and it's funny because then he said, I think he just threw a water bottle at me and Bissonette's like, really? And they're all like, really? He's like, yeah, I think he just, he just threw it right now. I'm not sure it was him, but sorry that he got injured and stuff like that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? He, he wasn't like, ha ha, the jerk got injured. He's like, you know, Hey, I'm I'm sorry. I got, you know, I got injured. We were battling for the puck. We got tangled up. We crashed into him. So then, you know, like really quickly, like Liam McHugh calls it water bottle gate or something, which is just too wordy. So then that got, Chopped down to Bottlegate, which I hate everything being a gate. There's Pizzagate and there's Gamergate. And, you know, Watergate was a hotel. Okay. So adding gate to everything is just ridiculous, right? Like COVID gate. I don't know what that is, but we could just make it a thing like we add gate to it. And it's supposed to be something controversial.
0: The north side of our fence in our yard was left open the other night. I called it Gate Gate
1: gate gate I'd call it open gate
0: it wasn't open gate but it was controversial because I swear I shot it so it became gate gate
1: okay well first of all I, I got some thoughts you want to
0: get ridiculous we can get
1: ridiculous no no ridiculous okay first of all tossing water bottle is silly you guys
0: do I, well. they squirt uh, each other with it? I mean, you've seen on the bench like try to squirt the other players with a uh-huh. lot of stuff. I mean, it's oh yeah, some stuff, but whatever.
1: So here's the thing. I gotta like Jordan Biddington because he played for the Chicago Wolves. So I remember watching him play for the Wolves when the Wolves were affiliated with the Blues. And so, okay, I like him. I could say, yeah, I saw Jake Allen play before he became big. I saw Jordan Binnington play before he became big. These are cool. That's why I like also having the luxury of living in a minor league town that's also a major league town. I could see some of these guys on their way up. I think Binnington is a hothead. And I get tired of everybody saying, like, oh, he's a fiery competitor. He's impassionate. Like, all the Blues fans, like, oh, how passionate he is and how fiery he is. You know what he does? He starts stuff. And then he has five guys jump to his aid. And that's most goalies. And I was thinking about this. And you know what? There were really only, like, three goalies that I could think of who would start and finish the shit that they started. And you know who they are.
0: Ron Hextall. One. Patrick Waugh. No. Amy. No, you don't think so? He
1: well. lots of crap. Yeah, okay. He kind of did. But, yeah, he did get into that fight with Osgood. And then he got into a fight with Vernon. So, okay. I guess I'm going to have to say four goalies. Wah, Hextall. Come on, you're Mount Rushmore of goalie pugilists.
0: uh, I'll
1: give you a hint. My
0: mind's mind's, uh, escaping me.
1: All right, I'll give you a hint. He played on a dynasty that won four Stanley Cups in a row.
0: Oh, Billy Smith?
1: That's three, and I'll give you a fourth hint. He set a record with 10 wins at the beginning of the season.
0: Of this season?
1: No, in the 2013 Lockout shortened season oh uh i don't know the late great ray emery ray emery although
0: ray emery i always forget about ray emery
1: here's my problem with ray emery and i don't mean to speak ill about the dead but i feel like emery and hextall they both picked on guys that didn't want to fight whereas like at least billy smith was like hey you're in my crease so i'm gonna fuck you up hextall was just a loose cannon So that's fine. But like, uh, not that that's fine. I think what it was, was that like.
0: Hextall was a nice guy. Just ask Rob Brown.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, that's like one of those clips I have embedded in my mind where like Rob Brown scores that playoff goal and he's celebrating and then he like looks over his shoulder, sees Ron Hextall coming after him and just takes off skating as fast as he can. Um, He's
0: like, I got to get out of here because I'm about ready to get it.
1: Anyway, my point being is that I get tired of like these goalies will start something and then they have five guys basically beating up the one guy that they started stuff with. And another example that comes to mind recently is Mike Smith, where Milan Lucic collided with Smith. Now, Smith is a diver. I'm sorry, but he is. You and I both know
0: goalies do that. All the goalies do that. They barely get tapped, and they flop to the ice like you know they just got a guillotine just swiped at them. Remember a couple years ago, Mike Smith fought Cam Talbot. Remember that? I don't. The Flames and the Oilers were playing each other, and the big brawl happened down at the. uh, I guess it would have been the opposite side. At the Flames' goal,
1: I do remember that.
0: Yeah, and then I think Talbot or no, Mike Smith skated out because he was on the Oilers. Yeah, so he skates out to the center ice and he's just standing there waiting. And then the two of them collided at the center. It was kind of lame. It was over quick. So getting it was cool that it was center ice though. That's what I thought was cool because it's like, come on, we're coming
1: in the middle of the ring right here. So anyway, so Kadri had a goal and an assist in Game Three. Yeah, I was going to say, what were we talking about again? Yeah, so Nazem Kadri had a goal and an assist in that game where Bennington left injured and the Avs won. Okay, so then what happens after that? He talks to the media, Bennington allegedly throws a water bottle at him, one journalist tweets out a picture of the bottle, a couple of... Other journalists confirmed that, yeah, it was Bennington. All right, that's cute and all. I think he should have gone full WWE. I think he should have come flying out at him while Kadri was on camera with a steel chair. like Full WWE style, right? And and then, and then uh, Liam could have been like, my God, talk. Why? Why is this happening, right?
0: He could do a JR. <laughs> oh,
1: God! And no, I'm not condoning hitting people with steel chairs. In fact, I always thought wrestling kind of sucked. I guess I just wasn't in on the joke. Like, I knew it was fake, but I thought it was dumb.
0: It's not fake it's scripted
1: okay that's fine
0: scripted outcomes they're athletes they're doing the stuff
1: no I get it's it just, they know what they're doing that's all yeah no 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 I know I guess maybe I guess I don't expect like brilliant storytelling but it's just like I'd watch five minutes of uh, Monday Night Raw with my roommates in college and I would already predict the fights. I'd be like, okay, here's what's going to happen. First, this guy's going to come out and he's going to kick this guy's ass. Then this guy's going to come out and kick that guy's ass. And then Rock's going to come out and kick his ass. And then it just literally went out in that order that I predicted from like watching the first five minutes of the show. Because it was just like, it was a little obvious, a little on the nose, as they say.
0: Because the zeitgeist of the wrestling fan has expectations of the ebbs and flows of the program that's how things are supposed to supposed to go
1: dude it's all just revenge fantasy that's all it is guy does something to piss off the other guy first guy get you know guy gets his revenge then right guy makes fun of the audience other wrestler comes out and kicks that guy's ass and and gets revenge for the audience right and this is just eh.
0: I watched wrestling when I was a kid for many, many years, and then I didn't watch it for a while. And then in its heyday, when I was in college, we all watched it because it was like a ritualistic thing everybody would watch. Both programs, WCW and WWF at the time, came to campus where I went to school, and they taped shows from there. So we would go and... We had tickets to Raw. We had tickets to Nitro. We went and saw the shows live. And yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. But then mm-hmm. I stopped watching at some point in the early 2000s and I didn't watch again until ah, probably four or five years ago. I watched a little bit here and there, but I'll tell you what, AEW kind of rekindled my interest in wrestling. Hmm. Now we've become a wrestling show, and we're talking about wrestling, but still.
1: <laughs> I listened to a hockey podcast, and a wrestling yeah. podcast broke out, as yes. they say, right?
0: Yeah, so if anybody's going to complain about that, just remember, Upper Deck, your hockey-making card company, makes the AEW cards. So there you go. There's your tie-in.
1: Okay, so anyway, so um Kadri, after... um Colliding with Biddington. Biddington's out for the season. He got a lot of threats on social media. And so then the Avalanche contacted St. Louis law enforcement and they put extra police in front of the hotel that the Avalanche were staying at. I- I'm kind of going back and forth if I want to read some of these. I read them now for the first time. I mean, listen, I don't downplay any of this, like, oh, he got mean tweets. No, because so just to set the stage really quick. Kadri is Muslim. He's born in Canada, London, Ontario, but he is of Lebanese descent, right? And his name is Nazim Kadri, right? Not Mike Smith. The point being is when you stick out a little or stick out a lot, you're going to get a lot of shit thrown your way. Uh, I mean, if you want to read something really heartbreaking, check out Black Ice, the Val James story by Valmore James, who played for the Sabres and the Maple Leafs in the 80s. He is the first African-American to play in the NHL. Willie O'Ree Like African-African? Well, no, as opposed to African-Canadian. Oh, OK. So if you want to talk about Willie O'Ree and Mike Marsden, they're African-Canadian. I thought you Valmore. meant
0: African, like as in from Africa, like from there.
1: No, but James was from Florida and he got a lot of he got a lot of shit thrown his way by fans. You had people attacking the boss when he played on the Sabres and he he was like they attacked the boss. And Scotty Bowman was like, you know, stay in the don't, don't go out. You're not you know, don't confront them like, you know, but I mean, that's that's some scary shit. If you think about it, If like a bunch of fans start attacking the team boss. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to look, let's see, I'm looking at some of these here. I'm going to find out your every move, watch your back for Bennington. Okay, that one's not bad. How about this one? Fuck you, you dirty piece of shit, coming at our goalie because you can't fucking score on him. I hope you spill rubbing alcohol in your eyes and go blind, then walk off a cliff, you dumb piece of shit. You should never come to America, you fucking immigrant. Okay, well, first of all, that's wrong on a lot of levels, but also Kadri's... Not an Dang. immigrant. He's born in Canada. And I guess Dang. he came to America on a work permit because he plays for the Colorado Avalanche, right?
0: Dang, you read that without me hitting the bleep button.
1: Oh, it gets better. That whole David, thing needs to be beep. David Perron is your daddy, you Muslim son of a bitch. Lick the bottom side of my nut sack. You okay,
0: should be- okay, okay, okay. Okay, I get okay. The, I
1: get I get the picture. let no, 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 okay, the rest of this is there's no vulgarity in the rest of this. You should be praising Allah or bombing buildings or chopping people's heads off like the Muslim you are, you son of a bitch. Oh you my are God. Isis. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something. My first name is Salim, which is a Muslim word for peace. I've been going by Sal unofficially since I was 20. Because I got tired of answering questions, are you a terrorist? Or maybe the tamer ones, where are you from? What religion are you? Like it would blow people's minds that a kid named Salim could be born in America and be Catholic and speak fluent English. I played a little bit of hockey in the early 90s. I played house league because I wasn't good enough to play on a travel team. Everybody on my team called me Saddam. Oh, because the desert storm was going on at that time. So I was Saddam. not they called so- you
0: Saddam?
1: They called me Saddam. Are you kidding me? I shit you not, my friend. What? Yeah. And, you know, here's the other messed up thing, too. At that point in my life, I was living in the suburbs. So I was getting racist shit from people in the suburbs because the suburbs being the suburbs in the 90s was a lot wider than it is now. But I was actually playing hockey in the city, and I remember doing hockey lessons, and it being a pretty diverse group of kids in the lessons where there were some Latino kids, and I remember I had a classmate who was black, and it was a pretty good Chicago mix of kids, right, Uh, you know, like different ethnicities. But yeah, when I played house league hockey for a year, I got a lot of shit from my own teammates. And then the next season, they mixed up the teams a little bit. And so most of the assholes were on different teams. And then I didn't have to, at least if they were playing against me and they were mean to me on the ice, at least I could go back to the bench and not have to put up with them. But, yeah, you get the idea. I mean, here's one more I'm going to read. It's three words. Fucking towelhead.
0: (sighs) Here's the thing. Anybody can hide behind a keyboard and send whoever they want to anybody because everybody's exposed now because everybody's got an Instagram and a Twitter and a Facebook and everything else. And I get it. But why would you spend the time of day to actually do that? Like, really, why would you? Like, what's what's the point? Yeah, you're an angry fan. Yeah. Whatever happened, happened. You know, Kadri fell into Biddington. Kadri deliberately went into Biddington. Whatever your stance is on anything. What's, what's the point of wasting your time and saying stupid stuff like that? I mean, I, I've seen some of the, I, I read them and I saw them and I saw some of the responses of a lot of people in regard to the comments that were made. In fact, some of those guys, I, I mean, they may no bones about hiding any of their identity. They threw it out there their names, their handles, everything. People found out who these dudes were. I've seen lots of posts of people saying, hey, so and so got suspended. You know, some one guy was like a hockey player in some league, got suspended for conduct on becoming a player. And another guy like is under investigation by his company he works for or something and stuff. So it's like, why why risk it? Because as we all know, It doesn't matter what you say on social media. It could be for three seconds and you delete it, or it could have been 10 years ago. People are going to find it, and they're going to exploit it at some point. So if you say something that ends up ticking somebody off enough, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. I mean, the bigger point is, why would you even think these things? I mean, it's stupid. I mean, you say all this stuff. Oh, you you stupid immigrant, blah, blah, blah. He's from Canada. Is that really being an immigrant? I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's no different than anything else. Look at the – the I think the Blues have seven players that are American. The rest of them are from other countries. So, come on. Really? I know it's not representation of the fan base, but... Not at all.
1: But the thing is, is that the wider you are, the less ire you draw. You know, they're not going to go after a Canadian fan, a Canadian player and be like, you effing Canadian. It's racism, is what it is. It is. I mean, and, uh, you know, people who do racist shit like that aren't always the brightest people. And you know how they say everything's a two-edged sword, right? So social media has made it easier to harass people, which is horrible. But then at the same time, it also left a digital paper trail. It can be traced, it could be found. I'll give you just a, another quick little, for instance, I used to co-teach with a female teacher and she got a very horrible email from one of our students that we both had, we, we co-taught a class together. And she forwarded me the email, and she's like, this made me sick. I couldn't sleep. It was a very misogynistic email that was sent to her. And I said to her, you don't need to put up with this. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I didn't make her do anything that she didn't want to do, but I went with her to talk to the chair of the department because she's like, well, I I don't want to cause any trouble. I said, no, she would want to know that someone sent you a very threatening Well, it wasn't threatening. It was just a harassing email. And we talked to the chair. We talked to IT. IT was able to figure out. The dummy sent it from one of the open computer labs. So it was pretty easy to check. And then we were able to check the sign-in logs from the computer lab. And then we were able to check that against our roster of students. And we had our culprit of who sent her that email now that's that's pretty easy because you know we we knew the person or we knew that it was one of 30 people or whatever you know you trace an ip you get technology involved with that and uh, you can you can find people you can find who sent that sort of thing so yeah i mean they're they're not the brightest and it's good to see that like they're being held accountable i mean one guy was kicked out of some sort of professional fraternity or something because yeah, somebody, that was
2: one of the ones yeah, somebody saw pretending. that and
1: said, "Hey, this doesn't represent who we are as a fraternity and and this guy's got our logo all over his page. Like he's a proud frat brother of of our school and and uh, we don't want anything to do with that.
0: I, I mean, I'm just gonna say this. it's gonna come to a shock to everybody listening. I'm a white guy. But I always feel like when in cases like this, You know, I can I can speak out and say that I don't agree with it and I don't have the same share the same viewpoints. And I don't I can say anything I want, but I'm a white guy. So what can I say? Because I don't have any like background in it. Like that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. I'm just being honest. And everything you talked about earlier, you know, about your experiences Mm -hmm. growing up and everything else. Like. I can empathize with that. I can't relate to it because it didn't happen to me. And I I feel like I didn't surround myself with with things like that throughout my life necessarily. Yet it continues to go on all around you. So I don't know. Am I looking at things with blinders on? Am I choosing to ignore it? Am I, you know, am I a coward for not getting involved and speaking up? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to this is. It's like one of those subjects where it's like everybody wants to talk about it, but i don't necessarily know that that's true
1: well but i think you said you said a very important thing you said i can emphasize and i think that's the thing is that empathize people there's a lot of people. emphasize who lack, my empathy yes emphasize your empathy right yes. exactly there are people who lack empathy and they're just like oh whatever you're stupid this is stupid What, whatever and then there are people who say you know what this doesn't relate to me but it hurts someone else, and that makes me angry. And we're seeing a lot of that in hockey. We're still seeing a lot of bad stuff, but we're seeing a lot of good stuff too. So I will say this, though, kind of moving this topic along, the best way to respond is on the ice. Kadri had a hat trick and an assist in the next game back. I'm not going to say he got fired up by that, but you come back and you score a hat trick, after getting harassed by the other team's fans. Wow. If that's not a mic drop, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's hard enough to score one goal, let alone three. And assist on one more. Yeah.
0: He played a pretty good lights-out game,
1: so. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, but the the Blues have uh, extended it because then they won the next game. So, you know, it's going back and forth. Okay, let's... uh... Let's move on to hockey cards. So I'm going to break some very important news here first. We're, we're now in the hockey card segment of our podcast. Um, important okay. hockey
0: news. Yes. All right.
1: Yes. Important hockey card news. So Sal Barry finally owns a 1991 Pittsburgh Penguins Foodland team issue set or team issue set sponsored by Foodland, including the Yarmir Yager rookie card that nobody really talks about because it was a regional issue and not an upper deck or score or Opeachy premier or bowman just kidding there was no bowman yarmir yager rookie card but you get my idea so what's my point it it
0: was in the rookie and traded set that never existed
1: right the bowman height number series yeah
0: it was in bowman draft i have the paper version well and the seven different parallel versions of it. Oh wait, yeah. none of that existed back then. Either,
1: oh, so. back then, yeah, we didn't have parallels back then, unless you counted the French upper deck as parallels.
0: Would you call Tiffany parallel? Maybe. Uh, uh,
1: the Tiffany same,
0: same photos, same better card, card stock, design, just better card stock.
1: That's an interesting point. I mean, we did talk about the ninety ninety-one Bowman sets uh, set in one podcast, and we did talk about the Tiffany version and the ninety ninety one Top set in another podcast and talk about the Tiffany version. Yeah. I guess those would be parallel versions. I think the thing though, is that because they weren't found in the same packs as the cards. Yeah. We um, couldn't
0: pack pull them. So it's hard to.
1: Right. They're almost kind of like their own separate thing. Right. But I like your thinking on that, but um, obviously me getting a set of hockey cards from 30 years ago, is not a big deal. It's a big deal to me. Actually, I will tell you this though, which is kind of nice and I'm paraphrasing. I bought it from a guy in, I think, Pittsburgh. or Yeah, in Pittsburgh. He just sent me a message. He said, went out this morning. Thank you for your purchase. And I messaged him back and I said, thank you very much. I'm very excited to own this set. I wanted one for 30 years. I'm I'm very happy to finally get one. And he, he messaged me back. He was just like, wow, that's really cool to hear. That means a lot that you're not going to just turn around and flip it. <laughs> and uh, That's like, okay.
0: the norm now.
1: Yeah, nope, not flipping it. This is going in uh, This is going in pocket pages and going in one of my card binders with my team sets organized alphabetically by name of team. But, uh, yeah, the 1991 Foodland set has a um, Yarmir Yager card. And I don't know, you know, you said you collected these back in the day. Did these oh, yeah. come on the beginning of the season, the middle of the season? Because if they have a picture of Yager... They could have used a preseason photo, but they didn't use a preseason photo, and I'll tell you why. You ever notice that on uh, Jaromir Yager's 90-91 OPG Premier card, he has the All-Star patch on his shoulder? Did you ever notice that? Yes. Because his first year was 90 but the All-Star game was in Chicago, so he was wearing a jersey from the previous season that still had an All-Star patch on it during preseason, so this Foodland card appears that he's not wearing a preseason jersey, that he's wearing, like, a standard penguin uniform. So.
0: so what I recall is very little. I couldn't tell you what time of year these actually came out. The only thing I remember is getting them from cops. Mm-hmm. Foodland-sponsored set through the police departments, which is why every single card has their safety tip on the back.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's about various things about do this, do that, just say no to drugs, that kind of stuff. Well, it doesn't say that, but that came later. What was the one on the back of the Yager card? Wasn't it something about...
1: I'll post a scan of this. So there's two things here. There's one puck. Let's see what a puck is. And it's a guy looking up in the English dictionary. And it says, hockey is an international sport. The National Hockey League has players from all over the world, including the U.S. and Canada, Russia, Czechoslovakia, Finland, Sweden, and Asia.
0: Read the other panel. Yeah, I'm getting talk there. Talk about a segue.
1: When the foreign players join the NHL, they try to learn English to help them understand their teammates. And then the other one has a cartoon, two cartoon guys. One is black, one is white. And the white guy is shaking the, the hand of the black guy. And he's saying, hi, welcome to the neighborhood. And then underneath it, it's a stereotyping. Everyone is different. Look beyond color and age and look for something we all have in common, being a person.
0: See, like I said, talk about a segue there. I couldn't remember if that was on his card or if that was on another one because it just dawned on me that that was, that was on another one. I'm glad it was that one because <laughs> yeah, that worked, that worked out perfectly for what we were talking about.
1: So anyway, I own this set of cards that I've wanted for... 30 ish years so yeah
0: yeah I'm still another three
1: so that's the fun thing though about trading cards like when new stuff gets too expensive I pivot to older stuff and I find something that I want so you know I'm still
0: missing three from that set
1: you should have talked to more police
0: yeah I don't recall ever seeing anyone with the Bob Johnson coach card the head coach okay uh, because they made Badger Bob into a card.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm missing the the Phil Bork one. Mm-hmm. And I believe I'm missing the John Cullen one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the three that I'm still missing.
1: Yeah. Well, my set's complete. So I will cherish these cards that you don't have. Although at
0: one time I had four Barry Petersons.
1: Wow. I wouldn't brag about that if I were you, but okay.
0: Yeah. I don't think he would brag either.
1: (laughs) All right. So Parkhurst came out on EPAC and in stores Mm 2021 Upper Deck Parkhurst. We got some mistaken identities in that set. You You want to talk about that?
0: Yeah. So Parkhurst, you know, those of you that collect Parkhurst, and I think a lot of our listeners probably do at some point or another, because Parkhurst is one of those sets that is very affordable in most cases, and more or less easy to find, especially with retail. And of course, if you're on EPAC, it makes things uh, much easier to collect. Um, But Parkers came out. It's available on EPAC. There's all sorts of levels of tiers for uh, redemptions uh, when you collect certain amounts of everything. But I think the big takeaway here from that coming out was the fact that You had the first checklisted, if that's a word, and we'll make it a word, Kraken card of a player in a Kraken jersey as part of the numbered checklist of a major release. And essentially, you've got no other, other than some special releases we've had, like National Hockey Card Day. Uh, There was one, and a bunch of the uh, upper deck. Game dated moments, right? Much of those had that the Kraken players, um, but no major releases. So everybody's been waiting. Hey, are they in Series One? Nope. Are they in Series Two? Nope. Are they in Series Extended? Series Extended? No. It would just be extended. So where are they going to be? So here's Parkhurst. We got a guy, and it's the wrong guy. So they made a Cole Lind rookie card. And instead of Colin, they put Nathan Bastion on the card as the photo. Yeah. Now, we've come to find out that they've messed up quite a few photos on the Parker's cards and cases of mistaken identity. But the fact remains, you've waited this long to have any cards released in a major release with a Kraken player, and this is the one you get, and it's not in the right one.
1: Well, what's funny about that is that, it's one cracking card. Yeah. You had one card. You had one card. You had one card and you messed it up.
0: Yeah. So Cole Lind got his big chance to have a rookie card. And the only thing rookie about it is it's got his name on it. And Nathan Bastian gets a rookie card with his photo, but not his name. So it happens, I guess. But um, at this point in time, with all the delays and everything and releases, We kind of have to say, well, we take what we can get, but this is also one of those moments where you put your hand against your face and shake your head, and while everybody else that's a little less tolerant goes off and chastises the company and swears off upper deck cards from here on out.
1: So uh, a couple other mistaken identities. So Brandon Hagel, who's now with the Lightning, but at the time this card was printed or conceived or whatever, he was a Blackhawk player. So Brandon Hagel of the Blackhawks, his card shows a photo of Blackhawks' teammate, Matthew Highmore. And then Wyatt Kalanuck, his card has a photo of Dominic Kubelik. So, I mean, they even messed up some, like, players who had been playing for a little while. Hagel played last season, Kubelik played last season. There's been a few mistakes in that Parkhurst set. You know, I almost bought Parkhurst last year. And then I thought about it and I said, would I really buy Parkhurst under most circumstances? And then I said, nah. And then I just passed on it. Like, I was at walmart.com. I've set the drop down to 12 blaster boxes, because that's the most you can buy from walmart.com. And then I thought, do I really want to spend $240 on Parkhurst cards? And then I started crunching the numbers. Well, how many do I need to build a complete base set? how many rookie cards are there, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought, "Eh, okay, you know, I'll put my money in things that I'll enjoy more. Um, I mean, that's
0: the thing. You got 220 cards, right? And then you have the short, quote unquote, short prints, which aren't really short prints necessarily. They're just the higher numbered cards. Mm -hmm. So that goes with the stars up to two, what is it? 280. And then the rookies, Round it out to 330, I believe, is the total count. So a whole base set is going to be 330 cards. That includes the rookies. So, yeah, you'd have to buy quite a few packs in order to build the set and put it together. But again, I go back to what I always tell people on Parkers: It's not necessarily a product that's really geared towards anything other than like entry level type collecting. Or if you're inclined to do so, it's an EPAC product. It really is designed to be an EPAC product and has been for the last few years simply because of the the combination program where you can take so many of a certain base card and combine it to the next tier level color, so on and so forth, kind of like they do with the flagship. And then there's all sorts of rewards available. So you have like the Emerald Ice cards that are pretty rare, that you can redeem you've got star cards again where you if you open packs randomly you'll get a card that has a star on it instead of a player by -hmm. a star i mean an actual star like the shape of a star instead of a player and it's a star card so they have like one star two star three star and you use those star cards as part of the redemption program (laughs) you can redeem those for you know more of something so So you're like
1: super mario collecting stars
0: I mean kind of if you want to look at it that way. But I mean the more the more you get of the different things, the bigger and better quality combinations you can get. Because I mean some of those combos, you get to a certain point. I think it's the emerald emerald ice autos or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's only ten. So basically you gotta be one of the first ten. Or maybe they're out of five. It's either out of five or out of ten. But I think it might be out of five. So you got to be like one of the first five to have that many combined all the way through and meld them all together to get to that point. So there is a challenge involved to it, and there's all sorts of achievements involved to it. But again, you got to be willing to do the digital route and go go with EPAC. If you want the actual base cards themselves, obviously you're going to have to go buy the packs. And this used to be a Walmart-only product, but I've seen it in other major stores like I haven't seen it in Target, but I've seen it in like Meyer
1: mm-hmm.
0: and stores of that nature. I don't recall seeing Parkers at Target though.
1: No, I've never seen it at Target. And I, yeah. I mean, I peruse the card aisle every time I go. I go to a couple different Targets, and the only hockey I've seen at Target are Upper Deck products. And then the surprise this year is seeing those Pro Set Memories Blaster boxes at Target for twenty four ninety nine. And it's yeah. so strange to see a non Upper Deck Hockey card product at Target, you know, in retail. You know what I mean? Because if you think about it, what Leaf products do you see at retail? The only ones I've seen are their Pro Set products.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Leaf. Pfft, I haven't seen anything
1: other yeah, than that. Yeah, their football and hockey Pro Set cards are at Target. All right, so now uh, your your favorite set, Upper Deck Credentials.
0: I don't like it. I just don't like the set. I don't.
1: What don't you like about credentials? What what what's your what's your problem with Upper Deck credentials? Did it make you vomit? It's nothing like that.
0: It's just one of those products that I'm like, I don't necessarily see the draw to it. Mm-hmm. So we skipped a year, right?
1: Credentials. 21,
0: yeah, twenty one twenty two was the is the credential announcement. Right. Um, it's the second season of the product, but there was no twenty twenty one. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm looking at them right now. You have cards that look like ticket stubs.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It re, I think it reminds me too much of like Contenders, Panini Contenders.
1: <sighs> yeah, but you know, I was looking at my old Panini Contenders cards the other day, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a future show. Basically, any cards that I don't put in pages, I've been putting in penny sleeves, and I had a set of Contenders, and They weren't bricked, but they're glossy, so they kind of wanted to stick a little bit together. But as soon as I, like, poured them out of the box, you know, moved them out, you know, they, they came apart. But, yeah, I mean, Contenders does that ticket stub design, and it's all right, I guess.
0: And that's kind of the thing. There's a lot of those. There's just quite a few subsets, insert sets that are in there that are ticket or backstage pass or, you know, access pass or whatever you want to call them, designed around that type of thing. And I feel like that's, I feel like we're past that. Like, it's like, that's a played out design.
1: Well, plus ticket stubs have gone away and now they're making a comeback because they've become collectible. They've always been collectible, but... Now you're seeing ticket stubs getting lots of money on the secondary market. I actually wrote an article about that for BCW Supplies. I sometimes write for their blog, and I did a blog post about how the pandemic has made ticket stub collecting popular. Well, because people are now, not only they're getting into their old cards, they're looking through their old ticket stubs. And they're trying to get ones that they don't have or whatever. So it's funny because teams have moved away from the physical tickets and even more so at COVID. But now they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now people want to collect these things. So now they're like, okay, now we need to start doing physical tickets again, right? So it's funny how... Um, how comes like full circle. Comes full circle, right? Exactly. Thank you. But I do agree it is kind of a played out design motif a little bit. And you know, the other thing I wanted to say, and I think I wanted to say this in the last episode, but I couldn't think of the right words. This is like, you know, when you get a seven course dinner, you know, how they like they bring out the bread and you have some bread and they bring out like the appetizers and you have some appetizers They bring out the salad. You have some salad, bring out some soup, you have some soup They bring out the main course. You have the main course They bring out a dessert, you know, they bring out maybe a drink, you know, and everything has Don't forget
0: the palate cleanser in between.
1: Oh yeah, the uh, what would that be?
0: It's usually something sour or bitter because mm. that wipes out any other flavor that you've had, and then they follow it up with whatever's next. But, so, yeah, the I, point I'm, get I'm what
1: getting I, to is that like if we go out to dinner and they forget to bring our salads and soups out, and then they bring out the steaks, and then I'll be like, "Uh, wait, you didn't bring my salad? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want the salad? No, you don't. Just screw the salad. Just bring the steak." Like, oh no. Dinner. Send the steak back, bring out the bread basket. You know what I mean? So I feel like at that point, we got to start canceling some of these courses in our meal, in our seven course meal, because it's like, look, dudes, it's almost June. Get us Upper Deck Series 2. Quit all this other distraction nonsense that we don't care about. Okay, some people care about Parker's because some people want to overspend. I'm sorry, but you want to know what those, what do they call them? Those bounty programs? Really, it's just whoever spends the most money win. If you buy a case of cards, and I buy five cases of the same cards, I'm going to get more of those special whatevers, whether they're Orem cards with the little scratch-off codes on the back or the one per box, this, that, or the other thing, and you know you collect the whole set of them, and then you send it in, and then you get the special Wayne Gretzky autograph, right? That's all it really is. It's just whoever spends more gets that limited to five or limited to 10 parkhurst autograph and so i got no interest in that somebody does that's fine you put it out there but parkhurst and mvp and credentials and okay premiere, but then we're still waiting on the cup from last year i mean dude enough with the soup and the salad give us the damn steak already
0: Uh, okay, look, we would complain if there were no products to buy, and we're going to complain that there's all the products to buy. There's no happy medium in the middle. I think it, it boils down to we want all the products, but we don't want these products. We want these other ones instead. And yeah, we can't have that. I mean, they slated these for release, the designs were made a long time ago, they're ready to go. It's like the cannon was loaded, it was time to fire. So that's that's what they did. Here's the other thing I don't like about Pudential's luck. It's a fine product. I do have some cards from it. They're mostly just penguin cards. But again, the ticket stub thing, eh, I'm kind of over that. But a hobby box breakdown, right? So you get an autograph or a non-auto acetate card.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So re- remember that. An auto or a non-auto acetate card. So you're either going to get an autograph or something that's just see-through. You get eight insert cards, which are all going to be like the stars of the night or rookie arrivals or something of that nature. You get two of their tech card inserts, and you get like five numbered cards. So there's six cards in a pack, eight packs in a box. So okay, you know it's not it's not one of those. Four cards in a box for $7,000 products. It's also not, you know, 36 packs with 10 cards in a pack either. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of something in the middle. I don't know how you'd fix this for me to like it. I really don't. I guess this is just not a product for me. Yeah, if I come across like Penguin guys and stuff, once this comes out, I'll oblige, I'm sure, for the right price. But for me, it doesn't excite me. But if you're into the various levels and tiers and colors and everything else. By all means, you have plenty of rainbows to chase in this.
1: What if there was an autograph in every box instead of an autograph or a clear cut or clear acetate card or whatever?
0: I mean, if they guaranteed an autograph in every box, I might like it more. I still don't know that I would jump on board. With the whole thing, and I'm pretty sure the autographs that are in there are sticker autographs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Although the mock-ups that I saw for it, of course, are digital signatures, so you can't really tell. But I'm going to guess they're probably going to be sticker autos because, yeah, from what I gather, yeah, these aren't super glossy and super shiny looking. But I can't see how they've got they would have on-card autos yet of some of the rookies from this year.
1: You know, I guess that's the thing is like, I hate it when like they substitute one or the other, like an autograph or a jersey card. It's like, no, I want the autograph. I'm so sick of jersey cards or an autograph or a limited parallel. Well, unless you're one of the big five, nobody wants your parallel card. Or let me rephrase that. Unless it's a card of one of the big five. That parallel card is not going to sell for much, right? If it's Parallel of Duncan Keith, hmm, probably not going to sell for a lot. If it's a parallel of Sidney Crosby, okay, when I say sell for a lot, I mean, be considered a hit. If you got a parallel of Sidney Crosby and it was numbered two out of five, you'd probably think, okay, cool. This is a Crosby card that's numbered to five copies, right? And you'd be like, okay, that's, that's not a bad card to get. But if it was of another player, probably wouldn't be as excited, right? I get that the autographs were hard for them to get during the pandemic, hard for Upper Deck to get during the pandemic. Then don't put them in the product, lower the price of the product, maybe give it different aspects. Like, for me, getting an autograph is not the driving force for me to buy a set, unless it's a set that's really about autographs. You know what I mean? Like, if it's, um, oh, what was that... uh, that Panini set that had all the, like, 70s and 80s guys.
0: Classic signatures.
1: Classic signatures, right? Those look nice. And you got a lot Absolutely. of autographs. You got you got a few of them in a box, right?
0: Mm, six, if I remember correct.
1: Wow. I mean, okay, so that's kind of like the reason why you buy it, right? Or a main reason, right?
0: That was definitely the draw to me.
1: Right, exactly. That's it, the draw. Whereas, like, I look at, like, other sets, like, you might get an autograph in Opeachy, but it's maybe not very likely it could happen but it's not but pe- why you're trying to buy th- it's not why you're buying. right that's
0: that's not what draws people to that set right and, right right and i'm i fail to find what draws people to credentials to me right. it's not the yes. design and obviously the, the the odds of pulling an auto you know, yeah there could be one in every box sure but it's one and based off of whatever they're going to come out with on a checklist once that hits i imagine there's gonna be i mean not everybody's a winner right the draw to this has got to be all of the breakdowns of the colors like the debut tickets for instance they have the debut ticket access update is what they call it there's tier one tier two tier three tier four they're numbered out of 999 799 599 299 Then there's debut ticket access update parallels. So not only do you have those tiers, but you now have yellow, red, orange, blue, pink, green, purple, gold, and black. And it's like the same kind of tiering as most of the other products uh, where like the yellow or like the biggest number and then it goes down from there with the black being the one of ones, and the golds being out of five. So that's similar. The purple ones are hobby only product, which by the fact that they're, Saying that it's a hobby only Mm -hmm. leads me to believe that somehow, some way, there'll be a credentials retail version. Mm. Because why else would you throw out hobby only? Unless, of course, this is also going to make its way to EPAC. Right. Which it possibly could.
1: Now, what about Premiere is coming out?
0: Yeah, Upper Deck just announced that they're doing Premiere for 21-22. High-end. You know, we talked about 2021 Premiere coming out not that long ago. So this is a high-end product, a lot of autographs and memorabilia and what they call premium product uh, because it is Premiere. So they actually announced it today with some sell sheet pictures. They look interesting as far as the design of the cards. I don't know if you got a chance to see them.
1: I took a quick look, and they look nice, but they also kind of look like a lot of other stuff that's already been out, if that makes sense.
0: They absolutely do have a familiar design to them, and Mm -hmm. I can't pinpoint it, other than they're bringing back the Rookie Patch Autos from 0203. Mm -hmm. So, those kind of boxy-looking ones that said Super Rookie up the side. Hmm. Do you remember those?
1: 0203?
0: Yeah, from 0203.
1: Oh, that's going way back.
0: Yeah, so... I mean, that's that would be the 20th 20th anniversary, anniversary. roughly. Yeah. So they're bringing that back. They're going to have, you know, some combination of autograph patches and acetate type stock on the cards. So, and of course, they're going to do all the parallels and everything else, too. This is definitely not a set that you're going to be chasing base cards and trying to build a set on, but there's some really nice hits in there. There's some really nice cards that are going to be available. I noticed some hand numbering on some of the uh, mega patch cards that they showed. And uh, there was a really cool, in their uh, preview images, Dual Rookie patch tacular they called it. <laughs> and it had Moritz Seider and uh, Lucas Raymond mm-hmm. and their shoulder patch logo pieces
2: mm.
0: on either side. It was a cool looking card. I like the idea. They were numbered out of five. But, you know, this is one of those one pack, six cards in a pack. There are base cards. So, you know, you're going to get an autograph acetate card in there. You're going to mm-hmm. get an extra autograph in
1: there, mm-hmm.
0: two memorabilia cards, and then two either base or parallel cards.
1: And what does a set like this sell for usually? A box?
0: box of it? Yeah they just put the pictures available mm-hmm. i saw earlier today some of the distributors were throwing the uh, pictures out there I, I didn't see anybody actually list the price yet I mean, just so, to give you an idea last year which just came out like hmm. not that long ago the 2021 i, I mean 5 5, five 25 30 it's about 500 yes yes not 5 dollars wow. 500
1: no. Oh, no, no. But, I mean, that's kind of like what the cup sells for. But now the cup sells for more. Well, if, uh, when, yeah. if and when it comes
0: out. Yeah, the cup is going to be way higher than that because you got to remember it's going to be the 2021 cup if it yep. does come out. Mm-hmm. Unless they just skip it all together and do twenty one twenty two 22 cup and put 2021 update in it with all of the Lafreniere and Kaprizov. Kaprizov, yeah. Because that's what people want, obviously. Right. But yeah, I think price right now. I don't know what it was at release. It was probably close to that. I think the cheapest I've seen it recently is like four eighty. Probably find it online for about that. So.
1: All right. So last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the show, we don't really talk about NFTs that much because I don't think either of us care that much about NFTs. Oh, I mean,
0: before you jump on that, all right. I do want to say this: another product that's actually out right now, twenty twenty one Stature came out. It was just released a few days ago, Mm. and it is cracking me up watching all these people that don't ever break hockey buying cases of this and busting it and wondering why there's no Trevor Zegras rookie cards and there's no Cole Caulfield rookie cards, and it's making me laugh.
1: Oh, it's last year's. (laughs) Yeah. What did you say? What set was it?
0: It's Stature.
1: Stature, right. One of my favorite
0: design sets from 1920. The stature set i mm-hmm. love the design i love the cards i love the product didn't necessarily love the price but it was really nice so now we have 2021 stature that was just released you got there's a hundred veteran cards and a 100 rookie cards all the rookies are numbered and there's different tiers of them and everything else and they they look cool but you know again this is the rookie class of Lafreniere and caprice off this isn't the guys for this year and it just makes me laugh to see all the comments of people that have no clue what they're doing mm-hmm. it's been cracking me up the products look great i think the product looks it's really nice i don't necessarily know that i will partake other than maybe some singles later on but
2: right
0: it's just funny know the product you're buying before you buy it don't just buy because you think it's the next hottest thing and and I'll, i'm gonna I could flip this and I can do this. I can do that because <laughs> you're not going to find the guys you're looking for. In other words, reading is fundamental.
1: <laughs> well, kind of knowing what you're getting into is fundamental.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, back to NFTs, my favorite.
1: Yeah. NFTs. So, there are going to be some Wayne Gretzky NFTs. So, as I said earlier, eBay is going to be putting out a set of NFTs. They're working with a company called One Of. And these NFTs, there's going to be 13 different limited edition NFTs featuring Wayne Gretzky, which will have a 3D animated rendering of Gretzky making one of his signature moves on the ice. So let me see. That would be scoring goals, scoring goals, scoring goals, assisting on goals.
0: Standing behind the net. Yeah. Cherry picking at the blue line.
1: All of the above, right? So... There have been hockey NFTs out. They've yeah. been kind of one-offs here and there, this player, that player, you know. Yeah, it's um,
0: usually some kind of sponsorship with an individual player and in a mm-hmm. company doing it.
1: But the fact
0: that Tyler that, Sagan
1: comes to mind. The fact that we're combining Wayne Gretzky and eBay, you know, greatest hockey player to ever live and the biggest online marketplace or um at least auction marketplace. I imagine Amazon does more money, but eBay, they're the biggest marketplace for sports cards. Either that's their biggest category or they're the biggest online seller or marketplace of sports trading cards. So, I mean- I believe it. Yeah, no, I mean, and eBay just, they're launching their vault service. I get text messages about that now. I'll have to look more into that later, but where you could buy a card, And it's stored at eBay's vault, and then you could sell it, and then somebody could just decide to keep it at the vault. So it's kind of like what PWCC had, right, where this card can change ownership but still stay in the same physical place. And you have this thing, but you don't actually have to pay to have it shipped to you, and then the other person doesn't have to pay to have it shipped to them. But anyway, so getting to this, I'm just going to read a little snippet from the company 13 limited edition digital collectibles in partnership with Web3 Platform, one of each which contains a 3D animated rendering of Gretzky making one of his signature moves on the ice. They're going to have like different price tiers. There's going to be the expensive ones and then even talked about having ones that were like $10. So we're seeing NFTs now becoming affordable or a little more affordable where now instead of it being like this exclusive thing where ah, I have this and I have the only one and I have the blockchain that says that it's mine and then I sell it to you, but it still says that it was originally mine, right? And now it's like, okay, NFTs for all for $10, right? And meanwhile, the top digital apps, are like, uh, hello, hello, um, you want to spend money on digital trading cards and spend only $10? Well, have we got a deal for you? Hello, hi, can you hear me? Is this thing on? Hello?
0: <laughs> Tops has a backup plan. I mean, they make gift cards for Uber, so apparently. So What's up with that? Yeah, that was so weird. Anyway.
1: That it has a Tops logo on it. Like, that yeah. it's not just this. Well, I mean, Tops is owned by Fanatics. I'm surprised it doesn't have a Fanatics logo on it.
0: And maybe it will at some point. But, no, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It always makes me wonder, though. And I'm not the audience for NFTs. I mean, I don't know if you are more power to you if you are, but I'm pretty vocal and I laugh at the whole idea of this, maybe because I don't understand it, but I mean, I sort of understand it and I get the whole blockchain thing and I get owning the source code and all of that kind of stuff. But again, with as much focus as being placed on like crypto and everything else, look at what's happened to that market Yeah. over the last three months. I mean, there's articles every day about these crypto mining companies just shutting down selling off all their equipment just getting out of it they're done they can't take the dips anymore and they're out okay let's go over here to these nfts and i'm going to collect this thing that it's not a real tangible thing it's not anything really it's nothing different than i can just copy and paste something and i know that's trivializing it and people are going to say yeah but you can copy and paste it. you don't own the blockchain, and you don't own the source code and you don't own that. Does anyone care? <laughs> I mean, Really? Like if, if I see a cool picture online and I right click and save as, or if I swipe my phone and do a screenshot of something and I send somebody this funny meme and stuff, I don't own the meme, but I made somebody laugh with it. So that's right. all that I care about. Like I said, this isn't for me and this isn't my world. You can make it a hundred dollar NFT, it could be a thousand dollars, it could be ten dollars, it could be a dollar. I don't know that I would jump into this. So I'm obviously not the target market for this. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to go with the bulk of the collectible boom audience. And that's what this is geared
1: towards. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're if they're doing lower price points and stuff like that because um, i
0: can i can only imagine they're going to advertise this and be like look you can own this nft you know a gretzky rookie just sold for 8 billion dollars and here you can have this nft and it's the only one imagine how much you could sell it for and then i'm then i'm going to puke like you see, asked earlier if i if it made me puke that would make me puke
1: so only if you can sell it is it worth anything i used to when i was a kid i'd say to my grandma grandma these cards are worth money this card's worth ten dollars and she would say only if you can get ten dollars for it and it's something that's
0: the truth about anything something's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it
1: That always stuck with me though only if somebody will pay that you know yeah the price guide could say it's worth ten dollars but only if somebody will give you ten dollars for it so There's obviously a market for this. There's obviously clientele for
0: this. There's, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners will be buyers at this point. I'm not saying I will be though, because I won't be, and I'm not going to chastise anybody for doing that. I don't see the long-term reality of that turning into anything other than like, oh, I'm going to get this and I have it and it's cool. And that's it. That's fine. But I I don't know. You know, how far is this going to go? Like like is this future world? Like are we are we actually turning into like real life Blade Runner kind no, of world?
1: No, I've said it before and I'll say it again. NFTs are the pogs of today.
0: So you think it's it's that bad that it's just going to it's spike hit hard gone.
1: Yeah, everybody thought pogs was great back in the 90s and then people realized it was like a trading card but smaller and round and then they just kind of said And that was that, right? I mean. How long? How long what?
0: How long do you give it before it disappears or goes away or just nobody talks about it
1: anymore? Oh, God, if I knew this sort of thing, I'd be rich if I could predict markets. I mean, usually there seems to be about a five-year window for these sorts of things with trends. I mean, if you think of like. Sports cards heating up, say, like, 89 to 94. It was like a five-year window. I mean, it, it varies. I mean, hockey, 1990, you know, um, the junk wax era boom, right? Like, that kind of window. I'll give you, like, one for instance. This is probably why I'm not going to buy any NFTs. Well, besides them not appealing to me and me not really wanting to collect them, here's the thing. Because I run the Puck Junk website and I write about hockey cards, I try to get into stuff that I'm not necessarily into. So I mean, that's why like a lot of times I'd see a panini product back in the day and I'd buy it because I'd be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but I got the money and I got to buy it. I want to write about something and I want to kind of get like, you know, you kind of have to experience all of those things, right? Like if you're a food critic, you're going to have to eat something that you don't like once in a while. You might say, you know what? I only like steak, but this place has really good whatever, right? So you try that. I tried that with tops remember e- tops
0: absolutely I wish they'd yes. bring that back
1: let me just explain to the audience real quick what e tops was etops was kind of ahead of its time actually they would sell cards for a set amount of time and then however many sold online were how many that they printed they would be slabbed in a case sealed with an etops sticker kind of like a one touch and then they would be stored in their vault at the tops headquarters and you could do a couple of things you could just leave it alone and hope for it to go up in value and then when it did you could sell it to somebody and then they could buy it and it would still stay in that tops vault or you can what they call take delivery of the card and have it sent to you well the thing is is that at least as far as um hockey basketball and football because tops lost the license to those things so they stopped making eTops cards for those sports the interest for them dried up because i remember around 2006 or 2007 right around the time i started puck junk i was buying etops cards now i didn't know that tops i knew that they weren't making hockey cards anymore but i didn't know how ironclad that exclusive was with upper deck it just seemed to me like okay tops isn't making hockey cards for a while upper deck's out there but hmm these etops cards came out a few years ago and then I remember buying them for something ridiculously cheap, like 2 $3 each. And then I never did anything with them because every time they'd say, hey, do you want to have your card sent to you? Yeah, it's $6.95 a card. I'd be like, wait a minute, that Chris Chelios card that I paid a dollar twenty five for because nobody bid against me and nobody wanted the card because nobody gave a care about eTops at that point. Now it's going to cost me, I think every year or so they'd be like, you can get your ETOPS card sent to you for $10 a card. And 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 there was no shipping discount. And I'd be like, okay, so if I have seven cards, that's $70 for me to get these cards. Or they would say $6.95 for the first card, a dollar for the additional card, to go, oh, okay, that's better. But then the fine print would say that they were gonna remove them out of that ETOPS slab. And I guess maybe just send them in card saver twos or something which kind of defeats the purpose of it cuz even though it's a special card it's special because it's in that holder that's part of what makes it special yeah
0: essentially defeats the purpose of the whole program it makes it just dumb really like here's this stuff and you can never get it cuz it costs too much to ship
1: right just, and then, there's no
0: practicality in it
1: and then I dabbled with top skate and I got sick of that too because in the end it's just- a
0: little different cuz it's all digital There was no chance of even getting a real one. Like with EPAC and Upper Deck, you can get real stuff. Like with Tough Skate, Tough Skate is just everything's digital and you can trade and do whatever with. But you got to remember, it's all in a digital environment. Now, people have turned that into a way that they can monetize it. Right. More or less like an NFT. And I guess this is going to be the closest I'll ever get to owning an NFT is through the Skate app. Because I do actively participate in the Skate app. I do the contests and I mm-hmm. you know, get the packs. I don't spend any money on it. Mm-hmm. I use all the free coins and do all the little tap joys and download the casino programs and
2: mm-hmm.
0: win a couple jackpots and get more coins and delete the app and then go back and do it again and all that kind of stuff. So, Right. But that's the best I can get on an NFT. And really, I could take a screenshot of those cards. I have before. I've used them in Twitter posts millions of times to be like, hey, Tony Wester's card was real. I do. And there's a lot of that, but they're numbered. So if you're going to trade them, obviously there's some type of whatever the algorithm is or the programming. I don't know what the right terms are. I'm not necessarily a techie person, but you know what I'm saying. So, like if this card says there's 150 of them, okay, well, there's 150 codes that link to this card, right? Right. That's really what it boils down to. Now, I'm not going to be the guy that goes online and has an eBay store filled with top skate stuff. I think that's silly, but that's just me. But I liked Etops because Etops you could get stuff. That's why I kind of like EPAC because you can get stuff. So, so NFTs you can't get stuff. It's not stuff. It's something that's not tangible.
1: It's not fungible.
0: I don't even know what fungible means. That's not a word that I even knew existed until late 2019.
1: There's a lot of words that didn't exist at one time or another. So flavor crystals is the one that always comes to my mind.
0: Yeah, but the word flavor and the word crystals did exist.
1: I know, but Putting them together crystal. maybe didn't. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but. I still want to know what the
0: hell Retson is. What? Remember every kind of gum that came out for a while, or a breath mint. If you like, now with Retson. What the heck is Retson? I think Starts it's a type like of that.
1: flavor crystal. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. All right, so anything before we uh, wrap this one up? Because we've gotten a little long in the tooth. We're always long in the tooth. Yeah, well, we got to get our podcasts out on a, on a semi-regular schedule. We can't be putting out our 21-22 episodes in 2023,
0: so... Why not? They'll expect to hear things about certain players, and they won't. I'll be like, ah, that guy's old.
2: Yeah. Why are they talking about him?
0: Um, yeah. No, I mean, we talked about a lot of interesting things early on in the show, so hopefully we didn't offend too many people. But hey, it's reality and it's life and it's something that everybody's dealing with. All
1: right. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. And until next time, collect what you like.
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.